It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. It's a Monday. Who wants to talk football? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host John Riley from our studios in San Diego. A bonus podcast for you coming off the end of the NFL regular season. John, we thought the first week of September was fun with all the marquee games and storylines. How about the final weekend of the regular season? And now we march on to the playoffs. Boy, we got a lot to cover. A lot to cover. I mean, we're getting set up for the playoffs. We had a lot of questions. Who was in? Who was out? Now we know. Now we know what we can expect next week. Okay, before we talk about next week, and and we'll have in-depth discussion about that, remind the fans who are watching us on our live stream where they can get access to join us for the fans forum right at the end of today's bonus NFL podcast. Okay, you can get involved in the fans forum. This is when you can ask a question of Hacksaw. Maybe you have a comment to share. Just type it in on the live stream on Facebook or YouTube. We'll see it up here on our screen. We'll get you involved in the fans forum at the conclusion of Hacksaw's headlines. And want to remind you Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. That way you'll get alerts to all the special stuff that we do. And by the way, go to my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com, a complete written report on everything around the National Football League and all the other sports stories. It's on the website right now. John, question one, not so much about games, but question one about great theater, what happened in Buffalo? It was unbelievable. I mean, just the the two touchdowns, uh, run back touchdowns were incredible, and the fans in Buffalo were were thrilled to have their team, you know, to, to celebrate with them. Hollywood could not have written a better script, and that's the most amazing story. The outcome of the Demar Hamlin situation. Think about this: a week ago Monday, the catastrophic cardiac arrest event on the field in Cincinnati. A week later. A week to the day, got on a plane and has flown home to Buffalo to undergo special medical treatment there. But he's out of ICU. He's off the critical list. And he's back at home right now. Let me walk you through what happened on Sunday. Because to me, it was great theater. You couldn't have scripted this in a Hollywood movie any better. You know, Buffalo is playing New England. Before the game, as they opened the broadcast... They did a full-screen stadium shot. Everybody wearing Bill's gear, everybody wearing Hamlin's number, everybody with flags, everybody with placards and signs. I mean, it was pretty electric. And then, before the game, the Buffalo Bills had flown in all 30 EMT people, the medical people from Cincinnati, who saved that kid's life. And they saluted them at the 50-yard line before the game. And the Bills players walked across the field and shook the hand of each of the EMT people. That was kind of cool. And then, on top of all that, they, they had special ceremonies around the National Football League. Before the Charger-Denver game, they had the two guys wearing uniform number three, hmm. Russell Wilson, Derwin James, go out to the 50-yard line in Denver, kneel, say a prayer, stand up, make the heart thing towards the TV cameras. Hamlin is watching us back in the hospital in Cincinnati, 
And then the players turned and did the heart salute to all the fans in the stands. It was so cool. And if that was not enough, then Nye Himes, the kickoff guy, took the opening kickoff 96 yards back for a touchdown for the Bills to start the game against the Patriots. And the stadium just exploded. And then it went on through the course of the game. And then Himes had a 101 kickoff yard return to start the second half of the game. Bills went on to win. And then they shot to a camera that had been set up in the ICU unit in Cincinnati. And there's Hamlin, still still obviously wearing an oxygen mask, with his parents. They shot live to him right after Himes ran the kickoff back for 96 yards. And Hamlin sits up, does this. I mean, it was so theatrical. It, was, it felt like it was Hollywood. You couldn't write a better script. And America, the NFL, all sports, be it the NBA, be it Major League Baseball, the National Hockey League, all embrace this kid. What an amazing turnabout in a seven-day span when you think where he was last Monday night on the field near death and where he is right now. He's home in Buffalo as his team gets ready to go to the playoffs. Wow, what a story. It is great. And you saw the coaches for all the all the other games. You know, they were on television. The coaches are wearing number three. Um, I mean, even, uh, you know, Staley for the Chargers is wearing one of those shirts, which is great. I, I heard someone speak on the news this morning, just on the regular, you know, broadcast network news, that this maybe should be the special year for Buffalo. It's not just DeMar Hamlin, but it's the fact that they had that huge snowstorm and so many people passed away in the snowstorm. And there was the mass shooting not too long ago. So Buffalo has suffered so much to say nothing of the four consecutive losses in the 90s in the Super Bowl. Maybe this is the year. Yeah. Coolest thing you'd see the players, players standing on the sidelines with the three-finger salute to Hamlin. Yeah. How cool is is that? So on we go. Very, very special day. Really an emotional week. You think about emotionally where we all were last Monday night to where we are now as we get ready for playoff football. Okay, let's talk about teams. Let's talk about storylines because, John, we got everything around the NFL to converse tonight. I mean, the, the Chiefs are leading the way the whole way through. And we previewed them at the beginning of the year. We expected them to be at the top, and that's where they finished up. The big question we had back on Labor Day weekend as we kicked off with our NFL preview, what would life be like after Tyreek Hill, gone from Kansas City, traded away? I'll tell you, that's a brilliant general manager in Brett Veach. That's a brilliant head coach in Andy Reid. And obviously, that's a brilliant, likely Hall of Fame quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. And what makes Kansas City special is they do so many creative things with all the players that they bring onto the field. You saw the snowflake formation in the Kansas City game on Sunday where the players, instead of huddling behind the line of scrimmage, they called a play, did a rotation <laughs> did in the that. huddle, yeah. ran to the line of scrimmage, snapped the ball, and threw a touchdown pass. Andy Reid is just a brilliant X's and O's guy that makes makes it fun for his players. And Brett Veach... They had a game plan. No Tyree kill because of the salary cap, could not afford to keep him, traded him to Miami, got draft picks in return, and they went out and replaced Tyree Kill 
with two guys that had really good bounce-back seasons. Juju Schuster-Smith came from Pittsburgh, and he's a big physical specimen. Marquez Scantling-Valdez came from Green Bay, makes plays down the field. You look at Kansas City, they went out and we talked back in September. I told you, watch this kid at running back, Isaac Pacheco. He's replaced Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as their lead back. And then they get Jarek McKinnon off waivers who'd been injured in Minnesota. He makes a ton of plays, running, catching the ball with extra speed. They are brilliant as an organization. That coach is brilliant. And Patrick Mahomes just broke the NFL record for most yardage thrown in a single season. Erased Drew Brees' mark of over 5,000. Patrick Mahomes goes for 5,250 yards through the air this season in Kansas City. That's, That's a special, special organization. Yeah, incredible. I mean, what they've been able to accomplish. And Andy Reid has always just been this kind of, uh, you know, genius that's been working for the Eagles, for the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, he's just had a spectacular career as a head coach. Mad scientist. Yeah. Really is. Okay, next team. You you just talked about these guys. Go ahead. Ask the question. I mean, let's, Josh, Josh Allen is just really a special talent in the NFL. I mean, where do you think they're going to go this year in the playoffs? Well, they're a complete football team. Yes, Josh Allen has been a huge difference maker. I'm a little bit concerned. He's turning the ball over a lot in the red zone, and we have not seen that his prior couple of years. As a starter, I don't know whether they're taking way too many chances or he's forcing things, but it's been a build, and the quarterback was one of the last pieces they put into the puzzle box that's made it all come together. But they do have Stephon Diggs, and they do have Gabriel Davis, and they do have a really good tight end. Doesn't get enough catches, I don't think, in Knox. they got two running backs now that are playing really well together. It's taken them a while uh, for their running backs to grow up. And on the defensive side of the football, geez, they got speed and they got size and they're coming after you. And they are relentless. And Sean McDermott is a really good head coach. So it's an explosive offensive team because that quarterback makes a lot of plays. And it is just a physical force defense. It just plays 60 minutes of really, really tough football. And maybe this is the time for them. As you said, there's been so much off the field. And now maybe on the field, it's going to happen. It is interesting, though. Buffalo has always supported the Bills dating back to the old AFL days with Cookie Gilchrist. The Bills have always supported the community in terms of the the lives and the travails and the tragedies that have happened in Buffalo, whether it's blizzards or whether it's fires or the terrible shooting at the supermarket. Bills have always been a stand-up leader in the community, giving back to the community. So, yeah, maybe it's their time. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's interesting to talk about Josh Allen, the mistakes in the, in the red zone. I just remember when he was the quarterback of Wyoming, he was this physical specimen, but he never really made the right decisions. But they saw the athleticism that he had, and the coaches coached him up. And he really took a leap forward as an NFL starter. So you know, maybe there's still a little bit of a, a few bugs in the system he has to work out. I still think there's a little Wyoming in him. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay, let's talk about the next hot team. Uh, we're talking about the elite teams 
in the NFL, and I think they have positioned themselves to be this place now. Yeah, I mean, I, I just love Joe Burrow and the confidence he brings to his squad, and they're back right in the driver's seat again. You know, they force-fed him, and he took a terrible beating his first year and had the bad knee injury, and I thought they're going to shorten his career because organizationally the Bengals have just been a terrible, terrible franchise under Mike Brown's leadership. Well, they've grown as an organization. They've really drafted well. Uh, and the fact that they went out and they got Jamar Chase, his wide receiver teammate from LSU, uh, has really made a difference. And now they've developed. They've grown a second big-time receiver on the other side in T. Higgins. Those are two really dangerous guys. Uh, they've got two running backs now. Their offensive line doesn't have a lot of sexy names, but they're rock-solid guys, and they play really good team defense. But Burrow is the trigger man, and he's just so smart and he's dynamic and he can move the pocket and he's kind of fearless despite all the sacks he's taken in three plus years uh they're they're a dangerous team especially if you have to go into paul brown stadium to play them right now because they are just so aggressive and so good down the field and last year was not a fluke they've, they've come back after a very slow start and they're just blazing hot. They are the real deal, John. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. They, they Well, they won the division, right? So I saw a picture of Burrow with the championship T-shirt and the cigar. And I love that. So hopefully he's going to have more opportunities to have the cigar post-game in the clubhouse. Let's talk about the leader in the NFC. And these guys have come together. Now, this has been a building process. This has not happened overnight. They started with defense. Then they built the offensive line. Uh, they've gotten finally a quarterback, and Jalen Hurts is a dynamic two-dimension guy. Now, I don't like him running as much as he runs, but he runs, and he makes plays. But he makes you defend because they spread the whole field, and then you got to spy him, which takes one of your guys off your defense because you got to watch what he's going to do. And who moved the pocket and threatened to run, pull up and throw? Or he'll roll. And because of athleticism, you're scared he's going to roll and run. He rolls and throws. He's got phenomenal statistics. Now, he's gotten beat up. He's got a shoulder issue. He did come back. He did play. He looks like he's ready. They're going to have a bye week, which is just hugely important. Philadelphia is a complete team, but the quarterback, that quarterback is so diverse and so different. He's made them dangerous. And their defense is big and physical. And if it wasn't Fletcher Cox, then they drafted Jordan Davis. And they got good linebacking. They got a bunch of athletes in the secondary. Got a lot of veterans on that football team. So this might be their year in the NFC in the playoffs if Hurts does not get hurt again. But boy, when he's healthy, wow. I mean, where did we have them slotted at the beginning of the season on our preview? Do we have up as the champion of the East? It was in the upper echelon, but I don't know if it was the champion. But they were close. They were in the top five, and right now, number one seed. I don't think any of us expected him to be this good. Hertz has come really quickly Mm -hmm. as a quarterback. He's only a second-year guy uh, in the NFL. Next team. Yeah, we got to talk about the 49ers and what a spectacular year with, with Mr. Irrelevant leading the way. Kyle Shanahan, he's willed this team. John Lynch, the general manager, the San Diego kid, mm-hmm. has built this team. Think about this. They're sitting there with, with a very impressive back half of the schedule, and they sledgehammer you. Just think about this. If Labor Day weekend, I would have said, T. 
Team A is going to lose its first-string quarterback, its second-string quarterback. What do you think is going to happen, John? You said season over. Right. Nobody wins with a third-string quarterback. Holy cow. Mm -hmm. They're winning with Brock Purdy, the last player taken in the draft. Managing games. He's not throwing for 400 yards, but he's he's dinking and dunking, and he's going to the tight end, George Kittle. And suddenly, at the end of the game, he's got two touchdown passes, and he's thrown for 211 yards. And Christian McCaffrey probably has over 100 all-purpose yards. And Kittle's got touchdown catches. And they get Debo Samuel, and they got the other wide receiver on the other end. And their defense just wears you out. Interesting statistic. San Francisco's just been sledgehammering people all year. Here's a number for you, John. A team that plays the 49ers and gets beat. The next week, the composite record of all the teams that have lost to the 49ers the prior Sunday is 1-14. Wow. Not only do they beat your brains out, they beat you up so bad that you can't go play the next week with a chance to win. That's a phenomenal statistic. But, boy, they are complete. They are great top to bottom. And now they got all these different dimensions to hurt you. With the last pick in the draft running the show as the quarterback, Brock Purdy. They're dangerous. I would not want to play those dudes in postseason. Well, I think the addition of Christian McCaffrey has made a huge difference for this team. But uh, I just love seeing the Niners back on top. This is all good. Okay, we're talking about those are the elite teams in the NFL. John, tell the people about how they can subscribe to our weekly podcast and all the alerts they get. And then we're going to move on and talk about some other storylines with other teams and our bonus Monday podcast coverage. Okay, so you can subscribe. Just go to Lee Hacksaw Hamilton's YouTube channel. Click on the subscribe button and then click on that bell. You get the alerts as we release new episodes, new video clips throughout the week. You can also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to you know leave a comment or a question on Facebook or on YouTube in the live stream. We'll get you involved in the fans forum. I already see we've got a few people already getting on board. Love to have you join us. Okay. We talked about the elite teams. Let's talk about the surprise teams. Who really had kind of a unique season that we never expected? Where do you want to start? Yeah, well, we got to go to Detroit. I mean, <laughs> this is a team that has been in the, in the tank, in the gutter for decades, and they had a special year. Dan Campbell, when he took the job, really mouthy at his introductory press conference. We're going to do this, we're going to do that, and we're going to punch you in the mouth, etc. I thought, oh my God. And it didn't have any players. And yet he was making all these pronouncements. Well, in a three-year span of drafts, he and that organization have really built this thing. And they built it with the defensive front, and then they built it with the offensive line. And then they went out and made kind of the weird trade, Matthew Stafford, Jared uh, Goff. But they got draft picks as a bonus. I think the intangible thing is Campbell and his staff taught Jared Goff where to put the ball, where not to put the ball. He was an interception machine with the Rams, turnovers. He's gotten progressively better and better to the point, now you trust him, and now he's making plays. Uh, By the way, did he make a few plays at Lambeau Field on Sunday in the final game against Green Bay? Yeah. Yeah. So Detroit is just a really rugged, young football team. And they've drafted offensive linemen. They've drafted defensive linemen. They've built the secondary. Uh, they didn't have a real good defense at the first half of the season. And coach them up. They got progressively better, better, and better. And almost made the playoffs. So, you know, I, I know there's not a lot of conversation about, well, give out a participation trophy. <laughs> at the end of the day... 
they got really close to making the playoffs. And think of where they were a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, and how bad it's been. So he's done a heck of a job. Yeah, and they're just a lot of fun to watch, you know. So good on good on Detroit to finally have something to be excited about. So next year should be great for them. Okay, next team. These guys did get to the playoffs. Yeah. Well, you talk about a turnaround. <laughs> Uh, you and I talked in one of our first podcasts about the disaster that was Jacksonville, that was Urban Meyer, that the ownership made a horrific series of mistakes, that they got rid of a whole pile of players they signed that thought were going to lead them back. Jacksonville has arrived. Doug Peterson has taken that thing and step by step by step has gotten progressively better to the point now Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback, the kid from Clemson, just a second year player, is not a beat up, beaten down rookie who's been overwhelmed. He's gotten better and better and he's making plays down the field and they've survived injuries in the offensive front. The key to their turnabout is not just the quarterback from Clemson. The key to their turnabout is that defensive front. They're not the 49ers in terms of physicality, but they're close. Jonathan Allen and the top pick last year, Travion Walker, and they got athletes who can run, and they got guys in the secondary that have grown into the job. They've got a kid from the University of San Diego. University of San Diego, which is kind of the equivalent of Division Three football, Jamal Agnew. He's a really good football player. Was a corner. They converted him to a wide guy, a kick return guy. He's pretty impressive. And, and Doug Peterson, smart guy, you know, creative genius, X and O's guy, quarterback, develop him. What a job he did with Trevor Lawrence. And Jacksonville's in the playoffs. Who could have imagined that? And the Chargers have to go play the Jaguars in Jayville next Saturday night on a short work week. And Jacksonville's earned this. Yeah, it's an interesting storyline because this is a team that maybe people suspected might be one of the teams to move to London or move. The franchise might go somewhere else. They have been in the tank like the Lions for so long. I, when I think of the Jaguars, I think of, what was it, Mark Brunel? Was he the quarterback back Way in the, back in the day when they had they had some good teams early on under Tom Coughlin. Yes, you're very correct. Yeah, and so I thought of and they were good then, and then they just sort of faded away. Um, nice to see that franchise come back, and I it's great to see Trevor Lawrence really do well. Isn't it amazing? One year removed from Urban Meyer, where they are and what they've become under a veteran coach with experience. Yeah, it's incredible. Okay, the other teams now. Some improved and some really did very poorly this year. Disappointments. Uh, yeah, well, we got to go to Denver. I mean, this has just been a complete disaster, what's been happening there at Mile High. Russell Wilson, and it pains me to say this because I've always liked him. He's a self-made man. Maybe he overachieved. But there are chunks of time this season he looked like an old man. He looked like he woke up as an old quarterback. The, the dynamics were just no longer there. The ability to go downfield, the ability to move the pocket, the ability to bust plays and run and lead a hurry up off it. None of that was there. Now, part of that might have been because of Nathaniel Hackett and the playbook and that coach has been fired. But, you know, he'd be put on quite a show against the Chargers on Sunday. Um, what What's hurt Russell Wilson, aside from the age factor and the injury factor, and I do think we're going to find out that there was a torn labrum in that shoulder. I think what what's really hurt him was he lost so many players. He's got all these wide receivers, and they're all hurt. And they've really hardly been on the field at the same time together. 
But they're, they're, you know, maybe they're maybe a year off season with a new coach and getting everybody who had surgery healthy will help. But they had wide receivers are in and out of the lineup. They lost Javante Williams, their big heavy duty running back. They had they lost their left tackle. They had problems at center. Uh, it, it was shameful because they were the absolute dead last in offense in the league and number one in the National Football League in defense. And yet they only won five games. So maybe this is just one of those aberrations of a season. But we'll find out in the offseason how badly hurt Russell Wilson was. And then we'll find out whether he's got any gas left in the tank. But they went out with a win. It's going to be fascinating to see what they do in terms of who becomes their head coach. To me, from a distance, outside the circle looking in, I look at them on paper and say, boy, there's a lot of parts here. And you got Russell Wilson. But it didn't work, and for a wide variety of reasons. And now they got a they got a subliminal problem. They got no draft picks, John, and they got no cap space. And they got Russell Wilson for at least four more years. So it's got to work. But uh, we'll see if they can all get healthy. And then maybe maybe it's a bounce back thing. Yes, I mean it must be hard for some of these potential coaches to look at that job. Like you say, they've got some parts. But they don't have a lot of wiggle room, you know. So I know Harbaugh's been mentioned as one of the guys there. We'll find out what happens next season. On we go. The other team that I think grossly underachieved, and they've just dumped all over the coach. Cliff Kingsbury, the general manager, Steve Kime, been fired. Uh, Cardinals spent a lot of money. They got Kyler Murray at quarterback, spent a lot of money on wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, they traded away draft picks. Uh, they thought they thought this would be a breakthrough season, and it just failed miserably. And they wind up at four and thirteen. And Kingsbury is out. Uh, he was he was fired on Monday, and and I I had seen this coming because I had huge questions about that head coach. You looked you looked at Arizona and you saw this firepower, and every season, opposing defensive coordinators caught up to him. The record at the end of the season was horrific. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, they've lost 18 of their last 25. Now, they don't have Kyler Murray here at the end of this season because of the big knee injury. But it was just not this season. His record at the end of the season in Arizona is amazing. 17-44 and 44 over his full tenure. Mm-hmm. The second half of all seasons, 17-44. and 44 which leads me to believe people caught up to him and he never quite figured out how to do other creative things once they started to take away what had made Arizona so explosive at the start of the season. But they do have the quarterback in place. They do have an owner that spent money. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Arizona does in terms of is it a good landing spot or is it a dysfunctional franchise? Your thoughts? Yeah. You know, when the Chargers moved out of town, my son adopted the Cardinals as his team. And the last number of years, they would get off to these really good starts. And my son was feeling really excited. And it always ended up in disappointment. And this year was just everything. Not everything went wrong. So, um, yeah, they got to start over with a new head coach. I went back and I tracked the second half of the seasons of Kingsbury, not just with the Cardinals, but what he did in college. And the numbers are staggering. I mean, it it was horrific. When, the same patterns. Exact same pattern. Wow. So, so that's a deficiency in terms of the head coach, and now he's out. It'll be interesting to see if Michael Bidwell will be able to convince a marquee coach to come there, and do you want an offensive guy or do you need a defensive guy? They got a lot, a lot of pieces of the puzzle in that box, too. 
But boy, there's a lot of psyche damage in Arizona right now. Just not a good situation. Is Kyler Murray a long-term answer there, or is he too small of a quarterback? What do you think? I think he's a dynamic guy. I think he's a little bit like Jalen Hurts, but I don't think he should be running at 17 times per game because he's gotten hurt. Hurts got hurt. Lamar Jackson's gotten busted up in Baltimore and now not playing. So uh, the history is there. Quarterbacks who run don't last very long. Big issue. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk about teams with question marks as we go to postseason play. Go ahead. I mean, the the Dallas Cowboys are this team that we we expect them always to do well, but they always disappoint in the playoffs. Are we going to see that again this year? Well, they, they got zinged on the final regular season game, which kind of surprised everybody. I don't know where Dak Prescott is right now. Uh, he's turning the ball over at a rather alarming rate the second half of the season. Uh, Dallas at one point looked like one of the real beasts in the National Football League as we kind of got to midseason, John. A lot of injuries. The back end, they lost their cornerback, Anthony Brown. Secondary hasn't been the same. Leighton Vanderush, their do-everything linebacker, he's out with a neck injury. Have had problems on the offensive line all season long. They don't have their left tackle, Tyron Smith, back at 100% yet. Uh, they lost their center who retired because of injuries. And they're not running the ball like they used to run the ball. Cowboy football was Zeke Elliott. And then it was going to be Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard, and we're going to pound the ball, and then Prescott's going to throw down the field. Well, they're not running the ball with any efficiency or any power at all. And the wide receiver core, led by C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup, they have games on Sundays. You say, wow, they combine in 15 catches, 191 yards. That's not happening very consistently, and they're dropping a lot of passes. Dallas may have all these wins in the regular season. I just don't know what Dallas is going to postseason because they've not seen typical Cowboy football. Yeah. Well, isn't Prescott like one of the top paid players in the whole league, if not in the top five, maybe even number one? So. Is is Jerry you know, Jerry Jones getting his money's worth out of this guy if they always find a way to lose in this in the playoffs? Injuries probably have something to do with it. Prescott's had some injuries, but his offensive front hasn't been real real solid and strong as they were as we thought going to the start of the season. The other team to talk about is the one we saw at Lambeau Field. And this this is kind of a mixed bag of what's next, because what we just saw wasn't very good. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Aaron Rodgers is like a meme machine. <laughs> you know, he just always has odd takes on different things. And then they had this great run going. They look at that, a shot to make the playoffs, and then it all went to hell at the, at the final game. Uh, he dragged a group of young wide receivers into the playoffs or into the playoff race. But at the end, it all caught up to them because they just were not consistent. They, I think they lead the world and drop passes. As dynamic as Christian Watson is as a rookie, he's had injuries, he's dropped balls, he's, yet he's made big plays. Tight end never fully got 100% healthy. Randall Cobb kind of looks like an old man. Some weekends they have their left tackle, David Bakhtarari. Other weekends they don't. Some weekends... Those two running backs, Aaron Jones and A.J., uh, run the heck out of the football. Some weeks they don't. It, they lost some of their defensive linemen with injuries, and their defense could not stop the run most of the season. Uh, it's just kind of a mishmash of problems. And 
Rogers has become Brett Favre. Do you love me? Do you not? Am I coming back? Am I not coming back? Yeah. Am I going to retire? You gave me my forty million, and you had to trade Devontae Adams to make that contract work, and I'm unhappy because I don't have stud wide receivers. Well, you took the money, so they had to get rid of somebody. So I don't. I'm not going to say Aaron Rodgers is blame for everything, but I got tired of all the stuff that comes out of his mouth about love me, love me not. It's just like at the end of the Brett Favre era. Mm-hmm. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? What's going to happen? So I think Aaron Rodgers still got a lot of gas left in the tank. I think maybe this was just kind of a tough year because they had problems at left tackle and the kid wide receivers, and they lost one of their top defensive linemen with injuries. But um, strange, strange season. And for them not to be in the playoffs, that's that's not Aaron Rodgers' type. Yeah, it's it's interesting, too, that – the, the Lions were the ones that knocked him out. So for a Lions fan, you got to take a lot of kind of perverse pleasure in that to see one of your NFC North teams eliminated. But really, Aaron Rodgers is this guy that's had this great talent. We always think of him as one of the top QBs, but he's really only won one Super Bowl, right? Yes. And how many other has he lost any? He's been close on a whole bunch of times and driving into the playoffs, but... They've under, undergone some philosophical changes as to how they build teams in Green Bay. Prior general managers that he had problems with uh, wouldn't wouldn't do it in free agency, despite being one of the richer teams in the league. And they'd do it through the draft, through the draft. Well, new leadership has changed. Matt Lafleur coming in as coach has had a really good run up till this season. This is his first losing season. He had won, I think, at one point, I think he was thirty three and nine his first three years with Rodgers. Um, so I, I I think maybe this was just an aberration of a year. All right, let's talk about uh, t- the teams that are in trouble. Boy, there's some real disasters in the National Football League, aren't there? Oh, it's incredible how awful some of these teams are, and they're all sort of jockeying for position for that number one number one pick. Number one pick is probably going to be the quarterback Bryce Young from Alabama. But because the Houston Texans won on a final game of the season, nobody thought they would. They did. They lost the number one pick. It goes to the Chicago Bears. <laughs> now, the Bears the Bears already have a quarterback in Justin Fields, and we'll talk more about this maybe on our Thursday podcast. But here's Houston, which has no offense. Here's Houston, has no quarterback. Houston has no head coach now. They fired Lovey Smith hours after he completed a 3-13-1 season. But just think about where they were four or five years ago. And part of this has got to be, got, got to be the McNair ownership family, too. I mean, they had Deshaun Watson. They had DeAndre Hopkins. They had J.J. Watt. They had Arian Foster, mm. stud running back from San Diego. They had all this all this talent, and it's all dissipated, and it's all gone for a wide variety of reasons. So they they got a massive overhaul. Now, they do have two number one picks. Uh, maybe, maybe Chicago trades out of the number one and Arizona— or I should say uh, Houston trades into the number one and maybe goes and gets Bryce Young. But there will be other quarterbacks on that draft board that they can get. But they got to get a quarterback, but they also need linemen. They need offense. They need defense. So they got two number ones and a high number two. So they should start building. It'll be interesting to see who wants to go in there and and run the football side of that operation. And I don't know if Nick Cesario, the general manager, 
is safe in his job. He came from the Patriots, and he went through this transition of getting all these older guys off the roster, and look at what he's got now. It's just, it's a horrible, horrible team. So that that bears watching. And then you got the Indianapolis situation. They don't have a quarterback, and they don't have a head coach, and and they got an owner that's a crazy man, and they've got a bunch of really good young players, and they're all hurt, and nobody knows if they're ever going to come back and be what they many thought they would be. Uh, so Indianapolis is a disaster right there. They're going to have a high number one draft pick. I think they're picking number five, uh, and they don't have a quarterback. So it'll be intriguing to see how dominoes fall uh, as we go towards the National Football League draft. But these are probably the two worst-run franchises in the NFL. And it's it's not just on, on quarterbacks. It's not just on coaches. I think it's an organizational leadership problem. Your thoughts? Yeah, we always got to start at the top. I mean, that, that the, the leadership and the organization sets the tone, sets the culture, sets the direction. But you know, as far as that game that the Texans won at the very end, it was like on a fourth and 20 with less than a minute left, and they got the touchdown. I saw a video clip in social media, and all the right when that touchdown was, was scored, all the Bears fans were cheering because they knew that that was going to give them the number one. So good on them. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a mess in, in, uh, in Indianapolis, and it's just still so weird with Jeff Saturday getting that head coaching job and is he coming back? I don't know. Um, we'll find out. Well, they went 1-10. They're not very good at the end of the season for a wide variety of reasons. And, of course, there's some other teams in the NFL that are a mess, uh, including the Raiders, and that's another topic for another time. Last question here before we ask people to jump on board with our Fans Forum segment. We'll talk about the teams here in Southern California. Uh, what happened to the Rams? What happened to the Chargers? Yeah, I mean, let's let's break the two teams down uh, because one's coming off the Super Bowl win. The other one are the Chargers where – Things always seem to kind of go crazy. Let's. What do you, what's your take? Well, the Rams go from Super Bowl to toilet bowl. I mean, there's <laughs> real there's real easy explanations as to why this evolved the way it did, and why they sit there at five and twelve and they're home next weekend. But the, to me, the the weirdest part of this whole equation, John, has to be with Sean McVay. Sean McVay calling this a professional failure of a season. And McVeigh's body language and, and the way McVeigh has conducted himself in his Zoom calls with the media in L.A., he looks like a, just a beaten down man who ran out of answers. Now, that's, that's kind of harsh because I don't think he's in over his head. He did a great job for a whole bunch of years when the franchise moved to Los Angeles. I just think this is the, the, the sum total of not having that stud left tackle, Andrew Whitworth, who retired, and a sum total of losing six offensive linemen with really significant injuries. And then Matthew Stafford got hurt, and Aaron Donald got hurt, and they kept losing players. They had no way to bring other players in. They have no draft picks to speak of. They have no cap space whatsoever because they dealt it all the last couple of years so they could be a Super Bowl team. McVay, to me, is... It's eerie that he's reacting the way he is. What he needs to do is step away from it, understand what happened, hope you get everybody back healthy, including Matthew Stafford. You make the decision on Baker Mayfield, and then you're off to the races, and maybe maybe next year is a bounce-back season. But he keeps talking in strange circles, and this TV thing is out there, and he's already said multiple times, well, I don't have to coach every day the rest of my life. This is out there. Maybe I try 
What's he going to do? That to me, it's it's a weird vibe at SoFi Stadium. The other guy has gotten the Chargers into the playoffs. Uh, tell you what, he he escaped some really bad mistakes on Sunday. Uh, I question in a meaningless game why you're exposing Justin Herbert, your superstar quarterback, heart and soul flag carrier of the franchise, to hits. Why you're exposing him, and why you're exposing your marquee wide receivers to take punishment? And they played into the third quarter, and then you know now Mike Williams goes down. He's got he's got a bruised back. They say he'll practice this week, but it's a short work week. Is he going to be anywhere near a hundred percent? Because they need him with Keenan Allen to be really successful going down the field. You know now they lose linebacker Kenneth Murray, next Stinger. Those things don't heal in 15 minutes. I don't know what his status is uh, for the coming week. Uh, They don't have the left tackle. Rashawn Slater is not active. They kept saying, end of season, end of season. We're at the end of the season. They have yet to activate him. Joey Bosa looked like he got dinged. Now, the head coach, Brandon Staley, denied that he re-injured his core muscle groin area. But he came off in the first quarter, and he never, ever went back in. I just, I thought it was foolish and he can hide behind the flag of, we want to maintain our rhythm and our flow and all that. Well, you don't, during bye week, when you have a bye week during the season, you don't put your guys in pads and let them hit so you can maintain the rhythm <laughs> right. and the flow. That's a good one. Yeah. You, you put your guys in pads and Denver beat them up and beat them really badly. Yeah. And the Chargers, now the Chargers going to Jacksonville. By the way, last time they saw anybody wearing teal, the guy wearing teal kicked the crap out of him in the game at SoFi Stadium when the Jaguars destroyed him 38 to 10. I remember that. And now you're going you're going to Jayville and you're going to play a team that's really hitting on all cylinders and by the way is a violent physical force defensive team. And it's a Charger team that gave up 471 yards to Denver. Denver was averaging 316 last in like 471 and all of a sudden, all the old problems kind of showed up. Couldn't stop the bloody run. They gave up five pass plays of 40 yards or more. The Chargers secondary was running around with guys blowing by them, blowing coverages. I don't. I just don't understand why Staley did what he did. He's, now he's got three or four guys dinged, and all of a sudden all these questions are showing up. And here comes Jacksonville, who punched him in the mouth in the third week of the season. So... Chargers had a 9-8 and eight season. We've seen the potential of how really good they can be if they're all on the field at the same time. It doesn't look like they're all on the field at the same time right now, and what's on the field looks skitterish. If this turns out to be one and done, then I don't think you can call the Chargers season a success. All right, I've said a lot. You tell me your thoughts on the Rams, <laughs> then walk across the street and talk to me about the Bolts. Well, I think Sean McVay is done. I, I think he's, yeah, I think he's going to step down because he doesn't want to go through another rebuild and he always teasing with all these other TV uh, possibilities. It wouldn't surprise me to see him step away. Now, as far as and also I would love for Baker Mayfield to stick with the organization because, you know, even with Stafford supposedly coming back, I mean, anything could happen, especially with a neck injury. Yeah, exactly. So I'd like to see Baker Mayfield back in there. As far as the Chargers go, I mean, they've got a short week on top of all of this other business because they're going to play on Saturday and they've got to fly cross country to go play that game. So a lot of people think of that four versus five as the easy game, but it's not going to be an easy game. 
Um, but yeah, Staley was keeping his guys in there far too long. And it was interesting when they put Chase Daniels in to play quarterback, you could see the, the uh, performance really take a big dip. So uh, they need to keep Herbert you know, healthy. Otherwise, they have no shot. Young coach learning on the job. He's done well, but he's made a pile of mistakes along the way, too. But they're in the playoffs, so they're happy. I hope it's not one and done because then I think it's an underachieving season. All right, we really thank you for joining us on our live stream. John, we got people that want to participate in fans forum. Let's just pick three or four good questions and see what the fans have to say. All right, let's think. We got a whole bunch here. Got, you know, a couple of people that are just loading it up. So let's go. There was a good one here about the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, this is from Ryan Kennedy. It's a red flag for the Cardinals that they have to put a clause in Kyler Murray contract that he needs to watch a certain amount of hours of game film a week. Also, it's bad if Kyler Murray puts a picture up on social media posts of Brittany Griner and thinks it's Larry Fitzgerald. Ooh. Absolutely amazing. Um, you know, it's interesting. Young quarterbacks, Ryan, come into the league with all these physical talents. Young quarterbacks don't know the mental capacity it takes to be able to be a good quarterback. And that's being in the film room every minute of every day and doing video work at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you you think about the greatness of Tom Brady. Tom Brady lives with video. It's his mistress. Uh, it, it's an absolutely stunning thing that how many young quarterbacks are mentally ill-prepared to become what they have to become to become a star, especially the guys making all this money. Uh, Murray's a great athlete, there's no doubt here, but the mental capacity of Kyler Murray and the dedication to be a student of the game, in addition to being a player in the game, that's something probably a story that still needs to be told. Well, I think a lot of these guys have been able to essentially survive on their sheer athletic talent. And they did it in high school. They did it in college. We get to the pros. It's a whole different thing. And we've seen even in other sports like Tony Gwynn studying video and how it made him a better player, a smarter player. Um, you know, So in the NFL, you can't just kind of fly by the seat of your pants. You've got to be a true student of the game. You're correct. Red flag, uh, at least on Kyler Murray, till he reels that flag down. Next question. Okay, this is from M. Allen. He says, too bad the Lions game did not get them in. Yeah, and, you know, I I give them a lot of credit because they knew prior that Seattle was in. Because of the way other teams had performed, Seattle got themselves in. Give Dan Campbell credit. You didn't see anybody waving a white flag in that game. Woe is me. We worked so hard. We didn't get to the playoffs. We're playing week 17. It doesn't mean anything. They played for pride. They played for passion. Mm-hmm. You were right. If you're in the NFC black and blue division, the NFC North, mm-hmm. pal, you go into Lambeau Field, you've probably gotten your butt kicked for a whole wide variety of years under against Favre and then against Rodgers. You win that game, that. Now, that's a participation trophy, yes, but you won it and you feel good about it. And you just look at where the Lions have come from in two years or three years under Dan Campbell. They believe. I bet those kids, they can't wait to get back to off-season workouts and go towards next year. That's awesome. I mean, I just the, the Lions are going to be a fun team to watch next year. I've got one more question here go for ahead, you. Fire away here. So this is from Michael Cedillos. He says, who you got in the college football uh, championship game tonight? 
you got Georgia, which has got all the all the firepower in the world, offensively, defensively, and that coaching Kirby Smart. This is probably a one-time opportunity for Sonny Dykes and what Texas Christian has done with the collection of transfers and kids they've grown up in the program and the arrival of Max Duggan. I guess I'm rooting for the underdog, but I will say this. TCU absolutely stunned me when they stun-gunned Michigan. Mm, yeah. I mean, they stoned them defensively with their backs to the wall at the one-yard line. And they stoned them offensively when they kept making plays, making plays. And this was a Michigan team that had physicaled everybody into submission during the Big Ten season. So I will wear purple on Monday night. I I think it'll be an interesting game. Can TCU ratchet it up again and play at that peak level? Because Georgia plays at that peak level all the time because they play in the SEC. I'm I'm rooting for the Horn Frogs to to win the game. I don't know if they will, but that'd be kind of my emotional pick. Yeah, and I'm I'm with you. I'm with TCU all the way. I'm a fan of Max Duggan. I'm looking forward to the game tonight. Okay. Hey, we thank you for joining us for bonus coverage. We invite you uh, to go to my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Uh, watch every day all the written stuff that I provide. Also, you can get access uh, to the audio platforms on my website or go to YouTube and subscribe so you will get the ding alerts every time we post things. And John and I have a history of posting a lot of stuff during the week. Hey, we'll be back on Thursday with our regular podcast. Thanks for being with us and hope you enjoyed our recap of the National Football League season. For John Riley, this is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Have yourself a great evening. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. Touchdown, San Diego! For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.